Welcome to Loving the Christ Life. I'm Brad Wilson. Thank you for being with us again today. I think I've told you a few times how I got under Warren Litzman's teachings years ago when I was uh, when I was in my teens and uh, followed him all the way through these years until he left this world, and I still study these wonderful teachings he left behind. One of the moments that began to shape me and change my life was what we are about to get in today. The series we're starting today from Warren's teachings is called Out of Law into Grace. It's life-changing. It will change your life as it changed mine. Let's get right into it. This is part one of Out of Law into Grace. Here's Warren. Take your Bible, if you will. And turn to Ephesians chapter 1, the golden chapter of all chapters. Verse 11 simply says, In whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. I I chose this verse because I didn't want to talk about predestination at all, as most people do, but I talk about predestination as to what God is doing in our lives. Sinners are not predestined to be saved or unsaved. Only believers are predestined to come to the fullness of Christ. That's what is in God's plan, that every single human would come to be what God's intention for them is. Now you have to get it fixed in your mind. Are you ready for that? Are you willing to give in to that? Are you willing to let that happen to you? I pray that you are. Tonight, I want to talk to you about how a person moves in his life from law to grace. If I were to give a title to this, I would talk about the first steps into grace. It may not surprise many of you, but in my simple calculations over a long period of time, I have estimated that out of all born-again Christians, at least 90% of them are still under some degree of law, Moses' law. Always when I say that, somebody says, well, what about the moral law? No, I'm talking about Moses' law, which actually covers every law you could come up with. 90% of the people, in my simple understanding, are still under some kind of law. I can say that because for many years I preached and had no idea I was preaching law. I was simply preaching what I'd been taught. I preached what somebody else said. I preached what the books I read said. And I had no concept that I was living under the law. Now, I was never a holiness type preacher. I was never one that jumped on everything the women did, everything the kids did, and everything the old man did. I, I wasn't that kind at all. I, I, I abhorred that from the beginning of my ministry. But to think that I could be under law and not know it was an awesome thing to me. And I didn't know that until I had the first steps into grace. Because it was then and only then that I really understood what God is doing. So what's happened to most of us in Christianity is that we have taken the whole Bible, 
without the simple understanding of where grace is found in its purity and have added it all together and everything God does, we say that's grace. But that's not really what grace is. Grace is more than what God does. It's more than being favored by God. I learned a long time ago when I was preaching a lot of messages on grace that if I just changed the word grace to Jesus, I'd have a fuller understanding of it. And I never found that that hindered the verse of Scripture I was dealing with. So when I'd come to a verse of Scripture that said, by grace are you saved, my first feeling was, no, by Christ are you saved. Well, that's what grace is. Christ is grace. Christ is everything that has to do with the plan of God. There is nothing in the plan of God that Jesus does not touch or have to do with. Why? Because he's God's emissary. He's God's son. He's God's representative to you and I in the scriptures. Well, the gospel of grace is a very difficult thing to find. I can well remember through the years I would have uh, meetings like this uh, with small groups and I'd always have somebody from a grace church there. Very often they heard I was a grace preacher. And listening to them talk, I realized that even we who believed in grace were on opposite poles. That it was very possible for grace itself to be worshipped. I must warn you about this, that some people worship the Bible. I love God's Word, but you can't worship it and make it instead God or the thing that makes you who you are. That isn't it. It's Christ who makes us who we are. It's Christ who is our life. It's Christ who is the fullness. And so once you get that fixed in your mind, you're coming to an understanding of the gospel of grace. A few years ago, I came on the thought that grace as it is given to us by the Apostle Paul is the final words of grace mentioned in the whole of the Bible. These are words that were given to a man who was under heavy law. There is nobody who has ever lived that was under more law than the Apostle Paul because he could say he was one who kept the law. I know of nobody else that would brag that. We'll get to that a little later. But he believed that he was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. How come? Because he was a law person. That's what made him tick. That's what made him act and do and be who he was under the law. Well, when he was arrested by Jesus on the road to Damascus, he was in for a big turnaround. Something colossal was going to happen to him and something colossal was going to happen to this world as a whole. Because God had chosen one man to whom he was going to reveal what grace was in its fullness. These things are written in his epistles. And it's from his epistles that we come to this gospel. So years ago, I saw that Paul was the one who received the final word from God that belonged to born-again believers. That's the final word. That's the thing that caps off everything else that's said. Paul would have words to give to us about God's grace that Jesus of Nazareth never mentioned, that are never mentioned at all in any portion of the Old Testament. For grace is most often mentioned in the Old Testament as mercy. And certainly what happened to us on the cross was not a merciful thing. It was a God thing to whosoever believeth would not perish but have everlasting. 
everlasting life. He wasn't showing mercy to us. He was getting rid of us. And that's the other part of the cross, that not only he died, you and I died in him at that time. So that's a whole different gospel. And only Paul deals with that. <clears throat> no one else in the scripture talks to us about what is really the gospel of grace. But grace is not mercy. I think many times I preached that when I didn't know what grace was. That God is a merciful God. And when I see him give mercy to some person, I'd say that's really the grace of God. No, it isn't. The grace of God is not in anything God does. It is in what God has done. That's the big difference you have to get in your mind. Because God doesn't operate today uh, dealing with one here and one there and showing his grace. Grace comes from the cross. Grace is out of Calvary. Grace is in the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Grace is not something God does today. It's something he did 2,000 years ago and he has never moved an iota from the cross being the reason. We'll get back to that later in this, on this subject. So grace is the final gospel. I'd like for you to understand that. This last book I wrote was my notes on the final gospel because the final gospel is the gospel that belongs to Gentiles. It's the gospel that belongs to the born again. It's the only gospel in the whole of this book that centers itself in the way a believer of the Lord Jesus Christ ought to live. We will separate that from Jesus of Nazareth as we go along this week. But I wanted to uh, approach this subject by all of the things that are important to it. In my years since 1940, when I first saw the In Christ, <coughs> I'm sorry, 1960. I'm old, but not that old. <laughs> In 1960, when I first saw the In Christ message, I was, I was so stirred over the times that the word In Christ, In Him, In Whom, and so forth was used in the scriptures because I never heard anybody talk about it. I heard preacher after preacher and I taught in denominational colleges. I'd hear anybody that could talk come to chapel and talk. And you know what? They would read those verses and never say a word about in Christ, but would give us Greek on every other word in that verse. And then it was that I saw that you can't understand being in Christ until you come out of law into grace. And so the first thing I learned in this move of God was that there is no in Christ working in our religious world today because you have to come out of law into grace to ever be gripped by the in Christ message. I have over 25 books with Paul in the title of those books one way or another. And not a one of them deals with the in Christ position. I'll take that back. I can remember maybe two or three out of 25 books that mentioned the 146 times the in Christ statement is made in Paul's epistles. But they never said anything about it. They never said what it meant. They never said to whom it belongs. So you cannot separate grace from being in Christ. And you'll never come to grace without the knowledge of what it means to be in Christ which takes me to my point right now, and that is that the 
final gospel deals with that solely. Paul deals with Christ dying as our Savior. Paul deals with us dying in Christ, and that's how we were saved, in Christ. And so when it begins to open up to you, you can see that God had a perfect plan, that he had it working perfectly. And just like all of the hallelujah that's been, I hope that's a good word, I hear all of this talking that's been going on this past week or so religiously really upsets me because the world is beginning to say there are all kinds of different Christians. There's just many different kinds of Christians. But my friend, I want to tell you, if you see anything in Christianity that is separated from the death of Jesus Christ on the cross, you're in error. <clears throat> is that fair enough? If it isn't the cross that did it, then where is it done? Well, the final gospel deals with that. And Paul is very explicit whenever he begins to talk about this. The first thing you have to consider is that the law is dead to the Apostle Paul. It's dead. It's dead. Romans 6 and 14 says it's dead. It died. Romans 10 and 14 says it's dead. That was uh, where Paul gives us the information on our death with him on the cross. Romans 9 and 6. Oh, I'm sorry. Romans 7 and 6 talks about our death with Christ. We're coming upon Easter Sunday. The in Christ position should be exposed as never before at this time of the year because that person who died on the cross Good Friday today in man's calendar, that Christ who died, died as you. You were in Him. You were in Him. Second Peter, what is it? 2 and 24. We were in Him. So don't ever think of the death of Jesus Christ as something He did for you. Though there's one verse of Scripture that reads like that. But all the rest of the time, Paul says we were with Him. With Him. About six of the times it refers to us being with him in his death or on the cross. What happened then? Why did he have to kill us out, so to speak? Why did he have to kill out the old man? Because the old man lived under rules and regulations and ideas that would be contrary to resurrection life. Because you see, when he comes out of the grave on Easter Sunday morning, so to speak, you come out too. The moment you believe on Him, you die in Him, and in Him you come out on resurrection morning. So the life you have is resurrection life. It's resurrection life because it's an in Christ position. We could go on about the in Christ position, but I want you to think now about the law being dead, that it no longer exists. At times I have a good time over this thought. 
Other times I feel badly by what I say because people come and tell me, especially preachers, that you cannot exist without law. And they're thinking about their deacons and church members and all who, who they couldn't get control of if they didn't lay a bunch of law on them. Worse, they couldn't build the building if they didn't have law. It takes law to put the building up because the people have to be put under the stress that you don't want to fail God. This is the way we work for God. This is the way we win souls. What is that? That's overtones of the law, the law that makes men do certain things. Well, you get freed by that whenever you see Christ. You don't have to be freed from the preacher of the church building or whatever it is, but you get free of it in your own spirit because that's very important. You can't go on until you get law dead. I don't mean dead in you because each one of us are going to have a problem with law to our dying day. The root of it is so deep in human beings. But to God, it is dead. Knowing this, Romans 6, 6, that our old man is crucified with Christ. So when God looks at you, he doesn't look at your soulish part. He doesn't see you and what you do, where you sin, where you fail. He sees Christ as the resurrection life in you and you're ready for the rapture. You're ready for the death out of the grave. You're ready for whatever happens to you because Christ is your life. Amen. If God didn't see that, we would need a lot of mercy. But instead, God sees Christ as our life and that's grace. What is grace? It's Christ in us. It's Christ our life. That's what grace is all about. Well, I have found the greatest obstacle I've had in this ministry since 1960 is trying to show people that they need to get out of law into grace. Good people, Bible-believing people, people who would die for what they believe or die for Christ if the time come, and yet they live under a heavy law. So I come to a conclusion about things. One of them is, they don't understand their Bible. I have always thought that preachers are the least people to understand the Bible. That there are plenty of people sitting in the pew that know more about it than the preacher's willing to talk about. You, you understand that? Many of you sit in churches where you saw things and wonder why in the world he don't do the next verse. Why didn't he do that line right there? <laughs> why does he go off in that direction? Thought he was going right down the line. Why didn't he go? Because he didn't know. That's the stupidity of religion. They don't know. So it's hard to blame somebody that don't know. You say, well, it's a sin what they do. Uh, James said, if a man knoweth to do right and doeth it not to him, it is sin. So sin to James is doing something you know is wrong. And if they don't know it's wrong, they're going to make heaven like the rest of us. And that, that's, I don't like that. Because the world goes without knowing what a Christian is. We're living in a world right now here in America where there are more people have heard somebody say they were a Christian than I have ever known before. Have you measured that? When does every news broadcast? A man can curse God and say he's a Christian and get it more known than Billy Graham got anything known. How can that happen? 
because most Christians don't know what a Christian is. They don't know that they died in Christ and get a gospel to help them live with that understanding. So the final gospel is the only thing that really, really covers this. You see, if you don't believe that the law died on the cross, if you don't look at those statements where God was doing something that was important to his eternal plan, raising him up a people he could birth himself, birth them simply because they believed on Christ as a Savior. He was doing an impossible thing. In fact, that thing would never be known if the Apostle Paul hadn't come forth and told us what Jesus revealed to him. Always remember that the final gospel of grace comes right out of the mouth of Jesus to the ear and heart of the Apostle Paul and nobody else. That's very important because we don't look at Paul like that. We like to go find somebody that performed a miracle. The lame walked, the blind saw, the deaf heard. But that never brought us anything about who we were in Christ and never explained what a Christian is. You know what a Christian is? A Christian is somebody that's birthed by God. Isn't that simple? They've been birthed by God. Well, I could say out of the 90% of people who still stay under the law, many of them are birthed by God. They've been born again. They'll tell you that. They'll not explain it to you, but they'll tell you that. Because... They can't explain it because they don't know what it means exactly. So when you, get a, when you, when you talk about something you don't know anything about, you're kind of left in, in limbo there because it doesn't help you when you really need it. I get help now knowing that Christ lives in me. I meet people everywhere I go who've had a revelation of Christ in them who know something. It isn't, the, the crowds I see, it isn't uh, impossible that in every crowd somebody would come to me and say, I just had a loved one to die. I couldn't have stood it. I couldn't stand it. I couldn't have, I couldn't have continued on because it hurt so much. But you know how I did it? Christ in me is my life. I've had people that had cancer tell me I couldn't bear it if I didn't know Christ was in me. I'd like, I told people for many years, if you had faith, you'd get healed of your cancer. That doesn't often happen. It does happen. God can do it and does do it. But that's not what happens to most people. Why doesn't it happen to everybody? I used, I used to think that when I was in the healing ministry. Why doesn't God do this for everybody? Then I come to find out that there's something bigger than you facing your trial and getting an answer or a miracle. What's greater? Christ, your life. When he who is our life works, begins to operate. That's what earthly life is all about. That's why we're here. We come to see that we're going to make it regardless. We're going to make it if, even if the world doesn't know what a Christian is. We'll still be a voice that will try to tell the world that a Christian is somebody birthed by God. Isn't that simple? Birthed by God. So what has happened? 
a great majority of Christians have understood Christianity to be what God can do. What he can do. And what he does fixes in their mind who they are. And if God doesn't do what it is they found scripture to prove that he would do, they're angry, they're upset, they're mad. Can you believe that? Can you believe that good people can get mad at God? I've had several to do that. In fact, one of the leading charismatic preachers was a friend of mine. In fact, we used to preach in different places and places together. And he came down with cancer after several years. Laying on his deathbed, he kept saying, God will heal me. Don't all of you worry. God's going to heal me. He said it in his word. He's going to heal me. He's going to heal me. Doctors kept telling him, you've got just a few more days. Finally, they told him he just got a few more hours and he could just barely speak. But you know what he did? He cursed God. In his dying words, he cursed God. He said, you're not true. You're not honest. You didn't do what you said you'd do. You think that's a singular story, but there are many like it, not quite as desperate as that. He died. He'll go to heaven because God doesn't save him by what he believes. God saved him because Christ is his life. That's my point. You may not get everything you need in life, but if you have Christ, if you have moved from law to grace, you have Christ, and you'll make it through any trial, any heartache, any burden. Well, we're going to stop right here. I wish I could think of some fancy word to say, but all I can say is, wow, what great teachings here. In this particular series, Out of Law into Grace, Warren Litzman knows so much about it and was able to get into these epistles of Paul and get into the Bible and really understand what it means to get out of law into grace. We'll pick up next week. Now, let me encourage you to go to our website, christ-life.org. Teachings like this, these teachings are there for you. What a gift. There's books, there's videos, there's audio tapes. Go visit us, christ-life.org. Read all about the Christ life and go into our bookstore and find some of these wonderful teachings for your own home library. Our thanks to Robbie Litzman for allowing us to go into the archives each week to bring you these great teachings from Warren. Valerie Hill does our Twitter account each week. Tammy Laycock, she does the weekly podcast notes. And this program is produced weekly by Teresa Ferraro from the Christ Life Fellowship. Until next time, I'm Brad Wilson, loving the Christ life.